All right, inappropriate Earl in the house. Currently number 11 on iTunes comedy. Let's get it back to number five, top five. It's been a big week. The Roastmaster, Jeff Ross, Eddie Pence, Chris Frangiola, the gentleman, Jerry Rocha. There's no more fucking around on this podcast. <laughs> Stephen Piercy from Rat coming back for more. Anita Strauss. It's no joke anymore. Inappropriate Earl's grown up. No more baby shows. Straight to the top. And you might wonder, well, with a build-in like this, who is your guest today, Earl? <laughs> and it is the great, lovely, and talented Carmen Morales. Oh, thank you. Jesus, what a what a horrible intro to give someone. <laughs> and that's our show today. Uh, <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening. It's the one minute podcast. <laughs> I've really dialed in on a niche market. <laughs> and I love Carmen so much. I said, come over, even though game seven of Nashville and Winnipeg is starting about a half hour. I'm going to. We can, we can knock this out. No, no. It's not about Russian, though, because <laughs> I say this a lot about someone like you who I consider a good friend, but mm -hmm. I don't know at all anything about you. No? Well, because, you know, you we see each other at the comedy store primarily. For sure. Uh, I think we did uh, Brett Banta's house party. That was a really good time. The Banta bonanza mm -hmm. where this guy is, does something I personally wouldn't do and invites comics into his home for a show. I know. I can't believe I'm certain somebody stole, stole something. I don't think there's any way that house was, where everybody left without stealing something. I mean, I used to do a show in the Valley called backyard comedy, mm -hmm. which was even more, uh, it was another level above Brett's, uh, show from the standpoint of it was you had like a balcony like 200 two people oh shit. no no i mean oh. it was like brett has about what maybe 50 people mm -hmm. uh these parties would have uh 200 300 people uh, wow he turned his laundry. I thought those parties, those LA parties only happened in the movies. This was, i've never been to a, a party in los angeles that had 200 people and you would have loved it uh, probably because he <laughs> made his backyard into an outdoor comedy club Wow. Uh, like he hired people to paint the background and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it almost actually ended up being a TV show because certain networks I won't name were like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. how, how did you guys go about this? Uh, so he turned his laundry room into a weed room and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, so a lot of comedy store comics gravitated towards this party. Mm hmm. But where where are you from? Like I I know nothing about you. I'm from Florida. Ja well, but that's a big state, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Orlando, originally, home of the Solar Bears. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was actually the first live sports uh, game I ever went to was a Solar Bears game, and it was awesome. Well, you know, I can hear viewers turning off now talking about Orlando Solar Bear hockey. <laughs> yeah. Let's break into their Taylor Cup run in the mid two thousands. And did you? Start I don't know anything about them, so I, w I wouldn't be able to assist in nerding out about it. They were just the first live sports event I ever went to. And it wasn't like the Florida Panthers or the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is like going to an open mic. Yeah, pretty much. That's I mean, your introduction to stand up comedy. As if you went to an Orlando Solar Bears game. <laughs> Yeah. There'd probably be a bigger crowd at an open mic. 
Without question. Yeah. That's why we got cheap, such cheap seats. It was affordable because we, we didn't have money. So it was like an affordable thing to do, which was go see hockey. Right. Hockey in Florida. I can't. Think. And arena football. Like my uncle used to have uh, season tickets to the arena football called the Predators, the Orlando Predators. And that was like a huge because only a, a pretty small percentage of the people going to the game didn't like cared. But the rest of it was just a huge party. So it was just like me among a fuck ton of drunk adults. Well, I would imagine arena football would draw that crowd. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you don't care that much about the game. You still root for them, but it's like rooting for something in the background. Right. Well, because, yeah, you go more for the uh, atmosphere. Like uh, mm-hmm. we, we had the L.A. Kiss out here, which was uh, the rock group Kiss owned an arena football team. And it was a lot of like their career that kind of started out like, wow, that's a cool idea. And then it was like, wow, this is horrible. Uh, <laughs> this is bad. But uh, what got you into comedy? What it got me into it? I've, I mean, class clown. Uh, sure. Were you bullied? That I just, sure. I mean, I have all, I, all the boxes have been checked. Molested. Yep. Fucked up childhood. Oh. The whole nine. Sorry <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Not everybody uh, can't handle their own trauma. Well, no, I, I, I didn't, you know, I certainly don't mean to make light of, you know, being molested. I've had only- I am. That's my point. It's, um, oh yeah, it's all, all this stuff. It was, I'm from Florida. Uh, I went to school there. It was, um, all this, I was a fan from when I was little. Like I used to go to the video store to rent videos and instead of like cartoons, I would ask to get like, uh, what's it called? Gallagher. Like I we used to watch Gallagher a lot and Bill Cosby a lot oh. when I was little. Oh, watch Bill, out. Yeah. And then uh, George Carlin was the third one I was introduced to. There we go. This is the first time I've ever tried this angle. So oh. you might want to sit back just like okay. an inch. Like perfect. That. Perfect. Okay. As you could tell, I'm a one man operation here. Yeah. No, no. I can see that. But. But fans you love do it. have brass knuckles on your microphone, so you really you're crushing it. I'm not crushing it, but they are my <laughs> only sponsor. <laughs> these are Mike Knuckles by the singer from Rats, Stephen Piercy. He gave these to me personally. <laughs> we literally met in a Rite Aid parking lot in Valley Village. Wow. And now we're good buddies. That's funny. Homies for life. So, because I was bullied. I was never molested to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I got into stand-up, just to be like, well, fuck you guys. Right. Um, like. I was bullied by chicks. It was by girls used to bully me. Why is that? I don't know. They were just mean. Oh, pe- pe- in, is this in grade school? Yeah, elementary school. That's when they start being uh, assholes. Yeah, I think they just emulate like how behavior from other people, whether it be other kids or maybe kids that they like or their parents or even just other family members. And they just mimic that to other people like, let's see how this is going to work out. Let's try this, you know. And like, what were they making fun of you for? Or um, It would just be like, uh, like you can't you can't be, hang out with us. But then like. Then they would switch it up and it, they, they would hang out with me. It was weird. They would go back and forth about um, being my friend or they would like make fun of me 
for my clothes or whatever because I didn't have a lot of money. But then they would like try to like take my lunch and shit like that. It was like real. I don't know. It was strange. And did you go home and uh, like were you, you raised in a two parent household or mm -hmm. and did, would you like go home and call, tell your mom like, hey, I, I don't know if I like this. Not really. I think the only time I ever went to my parents about it was when I was in middle school. I was like like a group of girls had like surrounded me when I was in the like a where they lock up all the bikes and they were like, they were, I don't know, just like being dicks and like, and I was like, Oh man, am I gonna have to fight four chicks at the same time? And so I just kind of like ignored them and like ran off and rode my bike off. And then I called my mom and told her, I was like, yeah, it was like kind of scary. And then she was like, she's like, grab your fucking, <laughs> my mom's advice was to grab my bike, my bike lock and wrap it around my knuckles and go bring it on bitches. Like that was what she <laughs> suggested that I do next time I'm in that situation, but it never happened again. So yeah, that would scare me off of bullying someone, you know, they had a Mike, Mike knuckles. Yeah. <laughs> bike knuckles. Bike knuckles is where it's at. Maybe Stephen Piercy can work on that. Just Maybe he can make that. If you're a, Maybe you could just do a two one and it's the two wheels of a bicycle. Yeah. If you're a youth being bullied, uh, you know, <laughs> buy a pair of uh, bike knuckles and uh, bike knuckles. Be the most popular kid in your school. <laughs> and then so did that. When did that stop or did it just keep going into high I school? I just started bullying grown men once I became because I'm like, um, so I just became a bully instead. So I just bully grown men now. Via roast battle or just uh, in life? Uh, both. <laughs> Either way. Well, I mean, how do you bully a man in real life? Just uh... men are actually not as like scary as like women think they are sometimes. So if you just kind of push them around a lot of times, they'll just be like, all right. I find that's the way with most bullies is like the minute. You, yeah. Cause the minute you call them on their bluff, they don't really want to fight. Yeah, exactly. They're so I just started doing that. Like, I, but I, I like bully bullies. I don't just bully everybody. I bully bullies. Oh, that's I'm my, like the Dexter of bullying. That's my favorite kind of bullying, <laughs> is bullying a bully. Cause it's so satisfying to see them back down. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, we see it a lot in the comedy world. Mm hmm. I don't like that shit. Or just when people like they puff up their chest, you know, they just start. And I, and I'm one of those people with the pins. I just pop it. Like, I don't know who you think you're going to be puffing around at, but it's not going to be me. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, we see it a lot in the world of stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah. You know, all of us are insecure. Right. And so it's just like, all right, obviously this person cares about this thing. You don't got to be a dick about it. So then I'll be a dick to you being a dick. Oh, you know, I love it. Ball love busting. It. Well, yeah. I'm know. pretty, it's just, and it's usually really playful though. I'm not like a, I'm not really an asshole. Oh no. You're like one of the nicest people I know in the, in the, but LA that's country. also cause you don't know me. Well, but, yeah, <laughs> but you can tell if someone's cool or not. Like the, yeah. the one or two people I don't like, mm -hmm. I've been right. You know, right. Once I got to know them, you know, mm -hmm. you know, a dick, you know, uh, there's some people that I like that are dicks though. Like some, some of them are, are charming enough to make up for the fact that they're dicks. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever meet somebody that's like, they got, or, or maybe even somebody that has like a decent structure of a good personality, but they haven't had anything bad happen to them. So they don't realize that they don't matter. So they're not like grounded or chill or anything like that. So it's like, man, I just, you're just like a, you know, like a, a tragic car wreck away from being like a really cool person. 
you know? Well, like if you just had a brutal divorce where you lost everything you own and your children, you would be so cool to hang out with. I'm not sure if I uh, completely agree with you there. No, <laughs> you've never met any dude. Cause sometimes like the coolest people I know have all had bad things happen to them. So it's like, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be some kind of connection there where you go through enough bad shit and you just kind of realize that, I don't know, this life is whatever it is. And you just try to navigate through it as best as you possibly can. And that usually comes from overcoming adversity and like having fucking fucked up things happen to you and you still getting through it. Oh, I agree with that. Like, I do think like I've experienced the highs and lows of this business probably more than anybody. So Mm -hmm. I'm great to hang out with. (laughs) As long as, you know, like if you, you get through it, and you don't end up bitter at the end, you know? But uh, yeah. at the end it's still all it's still all pretty fucking cool. I mean, I think uh, I think I'm honest. Yeah. Which gets confused for bitterness, I think sometimes. Yeah, there is a difference though. I think you could tell like I don't I mean, I don't I guess I mean, I don't haven't hung out with you enough to know if you're like bitter, but No, I mean, I'm I do give you, would my Do you consider yourself bitter? Not at all. Yeah, no. I have a great life. Like, yeah, you know, to my standards, I have a great life. Someone else I might not. (laughs) But there's always somebody that's like ill. (laughs) You know what I mean about something? And that really just reflects on them that they're unhappy. Oh, absolutely. You can can pretty. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, are are you bitter or honest? No, I'm honest. I don't because I don't have anything to be really mad about. You know, I've uh, I've been able to exist just doing a thing I like to do. And I mean, that's all I can really ask for. Everything else is kind of like a bonus for me. Yeah. I mean, you're very funny. Everyone loves you. Like life is good. Not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. You know, (laughs) that's how everyone should be. Be nice to people. Well, I don't know. I don't know about the being nice to people. I still think you should bust people's balls. It's just because otherwise, if everybody was nice all the time, things would be boring as shit. You need a little fucking chaos in there to make things interesting. But see, I've experienced enough chaos where I don't need any more chaos. You don't want any more? You tapped out? I don't have time for the bullshit. (laughs) You treat me nice, I treat you nice. Yeah. You come at me. I'm not saying you, but... Wow, it's very... It seems like you're talking to me. Are you? Well, I am talking to you. Did you you have me on here over... Is this some passive-aggressive shit? Have I said something uh, to upset you and that's why... Oh, not at all. You want to talk about it on the podcast? (laughs) People ask me, well, people tell me I'm too much of an ass kisser on this show. Like, I should have people on I don't like. But it's like, that's not the point of this podcast is to get my blood pressure up. (laughs) You should have people on that stress you out. Yeah. We just want to watch you be uncomfortable or listen to you be uncomfortable. Well, I get it. Like, uh, you know, I get asked to. There's There's a difference between like ass kissing and like being nice though i feel like well i mean like one so far i don't think you've been kissing my ass i think you've been nice though yeah i mean uh, well i had one uh guy leave a review on itunes and i play it safe and i i, I uh i'm up my guest ass and but like <laughs> to me it's like i'm the whole point is of this is to 
get a conversation going and hopefully people find it interesting. It's not to antagonize my guest. Yeah. Hey, could you come over and have me uh, argue with you? <laughs> like that's. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It probably would be a, a, a not a better podcast, but like. If me and you were just like, well, fuck you, Carmen. Well, we'll, we'll eat it, Earl. But I well, just, then that then when it would be over, that's that would be the end of it. Yeah, I mean, this isn't roast battle. Like, you know, I'm not here to tear you down and have you tear me down. Like, you know. no, that's what that's for. Yeah, Besides, absolutely. if that was the case, I would have liked some time to prepare. Uh, if you wanted me to write roast jokes for a podcast. Yeah, this is podcast battle. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going rogue and starting my own side project. <laughs> uh, well, I've seen you roast battle. You're very good at it. Thanks. I um I only like doing it with people I know. Like I've had a lot of the roast kids ask me to roast with them and I don't. I like doing it with people I know. So they know like, because then it's like a joke writing exercise. I'm not doing research on a person. I mean, I know that's what you do for the actual roast. Like, I'm not knocking that by any means, but I personally just like busting the balls of my friends. Yeah, I mean, I have to like someone. Uh, if you're going to make a joke yeah. about, I don't know, what, what something personal to me, I better like you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, It makes it more fun and less, I guess, stressful because it's like, I don't know. I never understand the people that roast battle that don't like each other, though. Like, they're like, oh, you were talking shit about me online? roast battle like because then it always sounds like schoolyard roasting you know what i mean where you're trying to come up with snaps but you're too mad to really put in the work to make it funny so you're just like well you're a stupid bitch oh okay you know what i mean you've seen plenty of awful roast battles that are people just that they just don't like each other trying to like this is their way of seeing who's better well, yeah, I mean, I've battled one person I didn't like, and, you know, it, it was a special occasion. You know, it goes back to bullying where I'm like, all right, you want to bully me because you think you're going to kill me? Let's do it. And how did that go? How did that uh, work out? You know, I beat them. Yeah. You know, I didn't kill them by any stretch, but, uh, you know, they had a choice to pick other people, and, uh, you know, we were in a circle, and uh, there's a couple battles that dropped out. So Moses was like to this person, Hey, you got to battle someone, you know, can, mm -hmm. or can you battle someone right now? And he looked at like, I think Pat Barker and no one's going to battle Pat on, you know, 10 minutes notice. Yeah. And then I saw his eyes light up when he looked at me as like, Oh, I'm going to kill him, you know? So, oh, right. Uh, but you know, now I will only battle. People. I mean, I don't actually thank him because him looking at you like that probably motivated you to work even harder on your jokes. Uh, well, you know, it's, you know, you had, ten, we had 10 to 15 minutes. So I, I mm -hmm. was just, uh, you know, I was motivated. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what, how I function the best is when I'm an underdog mm -hmm. and when I feel. Well, that that's the winning position is the underdog. Everybody likes the underdog to win. I mean, it's the same reason like you, you want, uh, you want the underdog to win until he becomes the person in power and then you don't want him anymore. You want a new underdog. You want a constant story of somebody you know coming from nothing to something as opposed to somebody that just like that's why it's like the reigning champion gets old after a while right i mean that's why you know before every battle i'll watch buster douglas beating mike tyson yeah because you know no one gave buster douglas a chance oh are you gonna cry don't cry earl i'm not gonna cry okay <laughs> <laughs>
It's just such a great story. He lost his mom two weeks before the fight. Mm -hmm. Everyone was telling him he's going to kill you. Um, and no one had ever knocked him down and all that stuff. So that's my motivational thing I watch whenever I have something I have to prepare for. Oh, nice. But, you know, what got you into roast battling? Because that's so different than comedy. Like uh, It was actually, I didn't know. Um, I had heard about it, but I di didn't really. It wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles and I watched it. And then I was like, oh, man, that looks fun. Like you, Duke, I've been doing comedy a long time. So like. How long? Like 10 and a half years, maybe. And uh, and like professionally for like nine, eight or nine. I've been doing it a long time, like full time, you know. Right. And so it was like the first time I had seen something in stand up that made me like excited. Like it went. And then I did it. And then I was, I was like, I was right. Cause it's like free basing as opposed to like, Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Or free falling is the feeling that you get when you're up there because you're like, this is something that you invested time and in. you don't know if it's going to work and you're going to find out right now type of deal. Yeah. It's instant feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good or bad. Yeah. And it's, and it's, um, and it's almost like, like doing a gravity pong <laughs> with comedy where it's like, you still do that with jokes. I wrote this joke but it's for spe the specific person and for uh, the specific purpose. Like, it's almost like we write jokes to make people react a specific way over and over and over again. But with roast battle, you have to make somebody else. You're playing two games at the same time because you're playing against someone and you're also playing to win the audience as well. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like you know, I just, so that's uh, why it was like, it was seemed like a fun challenge. Oh yeah. And I remember I th what's your first battle against Brett Erickson? No, that was my second. It was the first one was with John Michael Bond. And who's very good. Mm -hmm. He's great. And, uh, your battle with Brett Erickson was uh, unbelievable. <laughs> it was good, but that's what it should be to me. Two friends, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, nothing's going to be taken personal. Uh, you know, I mean, you, I guess you always take, a little bit of it personally. Uh, Do you? You know, it depends on who it is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like with, with like in Montreal, I was basically uh, three of the four people I faced were strangers. So I guess with them, you take like with Sarah Tian, I did not take it personally at all, right? Because we're like homies. Mm -hmm. uh, so and we had a arranged situation where at the end of the battle, win or lose, we would make out on TV. So I won. I mean, I lost, but I won. Well, for sure. So uh, I guess it depends who you're battling, you know. I mean, do you like, if, and I think it depends on how self-aware you are. Like, you know, like Ralphie May, who I loved dearly, he was not self-aware that there was going to be fat jokes. Yeah. You know. So. I don't know how. It's, I mean, he makes a ton of them, you know. Well, I, I don't, uh you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what he was thinking, you know, especially going up against Mike Lawrence, you know, there's going to be uh, not just fat jokes, but Mike's going to write <laughs> subset fat jokes, <laughs> you know, right. follow, like he's going <laughs> to with a bunch of nineties references intertwined through all of them. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just think, uh, you know, like that joke or that battle, I think Ralphie took personally, like, I don't know you motherfucker. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to bust. I mean, you know, we're it, supposed to do this. What did you want me to yeah. be nice? But if it were me doing those fat jokes, I think Ralphie wouldn't have minded so much. Cause mm -hmm. oh, I love you. Like, you know, it's so, fine. Yeah. You know, I guess it, 
I mean, do you take anything personally set up there? No, I haven't. Yeah, no. But I haven't heard anything too wacky about you that would go like that would hurt your feelings. It's because I I'm still one of those people that enjoy secrets. That's why. Oh, I love exposing secrets. Because <laughs> I I do my research. Other people might write my jokes, but I research. <laughs> If you had an abortion 15 years ago, I'll interview the doctor. Like, Oh, nice. <laughs> I, well, I get into it. Like, you know, and I'll probably never battle again. But like, you know, when I, you know, I just, it was fun for me. The strategizing was more fun than the actual, mm -hmm. okay, how do I call this person fat, tall, a whore, whatever. Whatever, yeah. I was like, what are they going to say about me? And then how do I combat that? So what's your favorite part of it? The joke writing, performing? Um, yeah, I liked, I liked performing. I really, I mean, the joke writing was fun too. It's way more stressful though than like writing a regular joke. Well, yeah. Cause it's like, uh, cause there's way more pressure, you know, there's no room to, uh, if you lose the crowd to really get them back, you know, it's blood sport. Like, mm -hmm. They want to almost see someone bomb as much as they want to see someone do well. Yeah. Well, they, they want to see both. Right. Ideally you will see both. Cause then the wave can do their thing mm -hmm. and Cena can, chime in i couldn't stand a lot of people used to sh would, when the tv show came out a lot of people shit on on the wave and i was like i think they're a very important like important part because if you get too much too if you're witnessing too much meanness you know what i mean then it kind of it can make people feel uncomfortable and the wave always reminded everybody that this is all fun we're all joking everything's silly they were like an element of spectacle that I think made it a really pretty package, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I agree. And, and uh, I think the problem with the wave on television anyway is they didn't have their own, at least in my season, they didn't have a specific uh, camera trained on them. So on TV, like you would see like their heads come across the bottom of the... Oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> like in my uh, battle with Tom Ballard, like they, I did some gay themed joke because mm -hmm. Tom is gay. And like you see like... It's like Mystery Science Theater. You see like these three heads run across the <laughs> screen or just they're barely... And one of them's wearing a goofy hat. So you, yeah. don't, even know, you don't even know what's happening. Yeah, they should have just used either... Sure. I don't an know. extra camera on them or a steady cam just yeah. someone across to see them or get just up. pan wider to see the whole thing yeah um like i know against uh tony hinchcliffe mark norman had this amazing joke uh that i was the only one who heard it it seemed where they had squirted lotion on the stage and mark was like yeah it looks like tony's back after an audition <laughs> <laughs> it's just a stupid silly joke yeah. but no one got it i think on tv because they didn't see the lotion being squirted so uh you know i mean the wave's great you know they're all killer comics mm -hmm. um so you know do you have any interest in getting on the tv show i mean sure right who doesn't want to be on tv oh I, isn't that why we're here <laughs> that's isn't that why i lived in a bunk bed for a year <laughs> well now you're on facebook live so i'm getting you there oh thank you earl i appreciate it this is the opposite of inappropriate. This is appropriate. I appro you're appropriately putting me on television. Well I, well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, it's Facebook Live. Let's be real. <laughs> uh, but, I, you know, I try and... Uh, my goal is to have the guests want to come back. Unlike my reviewer on iTunes, I don't want to antagonize someone to... 
<laughs> Fuck that. I'm never doing that guy's show again. Do you I mean we could fake argue about something? What's something you feel passionately about? Oh no, I don't want to fake argue uh you know about, They want some conflict. I mean, what's up? What's what's your what do you think? What do you what are you about? The uh, well, I I'm about uh promoting funny people. <laughs> good t- you know, uh, good, I keep good people around me. Um let me see. How about dating comics? Like maybe that could be something that sure. we might. You, do you date comics? I do. So as do I, I. I do. I didn't for a long time. And then um, I was on the road for a long time. And, and during that time, I just used to like, you know. Have fun. Yeah, sure. With other comics? With the young ones that I didn't think had a chance. A lot of times, yeah. What, 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 now, when you say didn't have a chance, do you mean at a career? Or yeah, at, yeah, at a career. Like, I would never have to worry about it again. Right. <laughs> so just you'd, you'd pork some open mic or, <laughs> and then you think, I'll never see And a guy. lot of times it was like in some town that like didn't have a lot of people and they never saw anybody as good as you before. So you look like a rock star, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, or they never saw anybody as good as you live. If you go to like Winnipeg or Edmonton or right. you know, South Dakota or Paducah, Kentucky yeah, or uh, fucking. Yeah. You're, you are Roanoke, so, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> Any of those places. Home of the Roanoke admirals of the East coast <laughs> hockey league. If you really want to lose viewers, start talking about the Roanoke, uh, admirals, uh, <laughs> playoff run in the mid. I'm certain there's like a few hockey nerds that listen to you that are like, fuck you. Another hockey reference. Oh my God. Hockey. Get into it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I see nothing wrong with dating comics. It's all we're around. Yeah. Well, plus, and there is a significant drop off of you hanging out with regular people once you start doing stand up because it's it's obsessive and you end up spending so much time not doing anything else because you're like, oh, I, I'd love to go to that barbecue, but I, I got a show or I, I really got a new bit that I want to work on. Like, it's almost like being a workaholic, but the work isn't it's not you're not going to an office and spending 12 hours. You're spending all of your nights at a spe- specific places, you know? Yeah. And I think normal people don't see that as work. No. They're- I mean, that's why so many comics are divorced is that I have to go to, I have to go to work right now, which means I have to go mingle with people at a bar <laughs> yeah, or, or the comedy store. You're there till fucking, you know, two in the morning. Yeah. So, but so- your set, your sets a lot of times is at 11 or 12 or one, you know, so you don't even get to, <laughs> it's not like you're there. You got a network. Partying. Yeah. You know, you got to like this business. Is- sure. And there's a lot of people that I don't think network effectively. I think there's a lot of people that loiter. And I oh. think there's a difference. Well, I bring it up all the time. And there's an area at the comedy store, you know, of a mm-hmm. sacred ground. Mm-hmm. And uh, without getting into what goes on back there, a large part of the time, it's <laughs> people hang out. Yeah, uh, we sure do. And I see so many comics back there who just uh, do what they do back there. And I never see them get up on stage. I say, like, why didn't you? aren't you guys in an open mic right now? Like, yeah, you know, uh, like Carmen can be back here cause she just did a show over here. I, I you know, I can be back here cause I put in my time. Mm-hmm. Like you guys are just hanging out. You think someone's going to come back here and go, I should put this person on stage. <laughs> they just rolled up a blonde. <laughs> uh, you know, 
Let me bump her all in the OR. Right. Get this guy or girl some stage time. Uh, so, I mean, half the time in that area, looks like a fucking bus depot dropped off of. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, I don't know any of these people. Everybody it's like, look homeless? Well, it's supposed to be like, I don't know, for paid regulars and their close associates. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, and uh, I don't know who the hell. You'll see somebody, I just moved here today. And you're like, how'd you get back yeah. here? <laughs> like, well, wait a minute. Like, good for you. Welcome to the jungle. But <laughs> like, this is, I, I don't know. I don't know why it bothers me so much. <laughs> I just think people. I think it's because it's like something that's earned usually like that. And it's not really, it's just not policed as much anymore. So I think that's, that's probably why it's annoying. Well, it's yeah. been, and it's also being occupied by people who aren't focusing on their own shit. Yeah. It's like, to me, comedy's a job, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. and there's great rewards, TV shows and money and, you know, yeah. women or men or whatever yeah. you're into. Uh, that works way more for dudes than chicks though. And what do you mean? Like um, money and like, like uh, comedy and shit like that. Like that that works better for like dudes getting laid than like chicks do. Like com like female comics have a harder time in that regard. In terms of getting laid. And like in terms of like um, that being like what we do equating into people being interested in us. Well, I think women are going to get laid. If, if you want to get laid tonight, you're going to get laid tonight. I have yeah, I know, I know. But it just may not be somebody that I want to fuck. That's oh, the difference. That's true, too. But it's like, because guys are so visually stimulated, you can be funny and make a lot of money and increase the caliber of women where that doesn't necessarily happen for us. Right. We could be pretty famous and we'd still be like schleppy dudes that want us because we're motivated by different things yeah i mean i'm a very visual person yeah but i also don't have a, a type you wouldn't have invested in glasses if you weren't <laughs> oh let's roast let's roast well i can still see you're a cunt see there you go there you go is this what you wanted reviewer yeah. is this it <laughs> turn this into a roast battle on facebook live see i'm a rebuttal guy i don't i don't write jokes just <laughs> wait i'm a counter puncher as they say in the business i like to uh well i mean i don't have a type I, even though i'm a visual person uh, you know if you lined up like say my last three serious girlfriends they, you would not believe the same guy dated them because they mm-hmm. all looked completely different like the first one was uh short and very busty mm-hmm. uh, second one incredibly slender mm-hmm. looked like julia roberts and the, th- the third was, you know, incredibly cute. And, uh, you know, we had a good vibe. So it's like, you know, do you have a specific type? No. The same. Yeah. you. I don't, I don't even think. Yeah, definitely not. I'm more of a vibe <laughs> person. Like if I. Uh, that wasn't really a thing until I moved out here where the vibes were significant. It would just used to be like I was interested in someone. I found them interesting. I liked them. I wanted to fuck them. All those things. But Los Angeles is, uh, and it's spread throughout the country, but nobody ever cared about quote unquote vibes until I, I learned that out here. And now it's starting to spread everywhere else in the country. But everyone loves you. Like, you know, you have a good vibe, you know. But like- I also, but that's another thing too is, there is something to the vibe thing because I always get asked if, uh, if I want to fuck couples all the time. 
I give off that vibe. That's what I've been told is like, you look like you'd fuck me and my wife. Like that's the vibe that I apparently I give off, but I'm not trying to give off that vibe, but that's the vibe that I get told I give off. But how, how do you change that? You start fucking couples. Why? Because then you won't have that vibe anymore. Because be, <laughs> I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be like, you know, it's like, I've done that. You know. <laughs> no. How would that change it? That's not going to change it. Might enhance it. Exactly. And then I'm going to get bothered by all the time by these people that are, you know, one third person. I, I get the same thing. People always ask me for pot and drugs because they just. It's a vibe. See, I, I, I feel like you'd be more inclined to have uppers than than marijuana. Well, I'm so. Uh, I mean, I. I'm so maybe it's because um, I see you at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm this way at two in the afternoon or two in the morning. Like, yeah. I'm, I am what I am. Like I'm quiet. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, low energy. So I think people go, he must be high on weed. Do you got any? So, right. No, I don't. But no. if you have to ask for weed at the comedy store, then you're blind. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere. I feel like I do smoke. Weed. I've inhaled more pot secondhand than probably most people. Did you do. get a contact high ever? Uh, I would say I did once when I played a marijuana bar in uh, North Hollywood mm -hmm. or dispensary that had a comedy show. Like, it's not a marijuana bar. Uh, and they were smoking wax. Oh, they're doing the dabs and stuff? Yeah, and I was, uh, I had to leave the room. Like, I was like, wow, this is like affecting me. The guy in the front row was drooling. You so. never fucked with drugs ever, though? I've never had one. I've never directly taken anything. Never had Why a cigarette. Um, just not my thing, you know. I mean, I've never been fucked in the ass. I don't have to try it to know I wouldn't like it. it you know, have you that, had a finger in your butt though? Um, that's a yes. If you have to no, think no. About I mean, it. I'm, I'm. Uh, I mean, I've uh, not real. No, to be honest with you, no. I don't think I have. I mean, there's been girls who've like, you know. They touch it like the outside, but right. they don't go in. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not like, you know, against it. I just, you know, it's just not my thing. The, the asshole is just meant for one purpose. But you didn't mind the outside though, right? The outside was fine. It it's just the thing going inside. It didn't really do much for me. I mean, I guess it was a new sensation. Like, so it was somewhat like, oh, this is, it didn't really like, oh my God, I'm going to come right now. To, it's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I don't like if you told me you loved anal sex, I'd be like, oh, OK, do you <laughs> No. Have you had it? Uh, no, I'm uh, I'm too I'm too much of a top. So you like to be on top and control. I like to be in control whether I'm on top or not. OK. Um. So, yeah, I don't know. I, pre I probably wouldn't. It's like too much of a, like an overpowering thing. Maybe it's because I was molested or something. I'm just never want anybody to overpower me again. So that might be it. I don't know. No, I, but I mean, butt stuff is fine. I like butt stuff, but I don't not, I've never, I've never, uh, never been fucked in the ass. Well, and on that <laughs> point, we probably should end the Facebook live. I mean, that's a, that's a teaser. <laughs> is that it that's it i should have just hit stop yeah and then people would be like my god i gotta go over to itunes right now <laughs> what's the follow-up yeah you should have done that and but now you just told them your entire ploy carmen for our facebook live freaks out there where can people find you on social media 
You can find me at CarmenMorales.com for all of your Carmen Morales needs at the funny Carmen on all the assorted social media. I actually also have a podcast. Please. It's called No Sir, I Don't Like It. It's me and Mr. Brian Vokey. We uh, we have people on and we talk about things they don't like. That's, I love him. It's very, yeah, he's great. Brian Vokey's a great. Um, so you guys can listen to that. Please subscribe. And, uh, and uh, yeah. Hi. All right. You're going to have to listen to the rest now by going to iTunes. <sighs> and for you people who don't swing from Steve Jobs nuts... Uh, or or tim cook now he's he's the real deal uh you can go on soundcloud too this is inappropriate i'm a rogue operator no network no help no nothing and i'm sure all you comics in la are happy for me you fucking slobs (laughs) so i got too real there i got too real sorry about that oh we're still on i forgot we're still on i don't even know what i'm doing take a picture here by the way it's tough you know everyone says we gotta do one of you have to do it together it shouldn't just be i know but this is just for publicity all right one two three perfect (laughs) yeah but take one you know selfies so you blast it out i mean i know how to operate now now i'm in my habitat where i don't have to read comments from uh people it's hard when you do it all on your own it is a podcast or comedy I'm a, <laughs> You're an improv guy? Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, I got kicked out of the Groundlings. Did you really? Why? Fuck that place. Why'd you get kicked out? Well, I was good enough to advance to the next level. I'm honest. Like, this goes back to be, I'm not bitter about it at all. Uh, my teacher was bitter. And it's like, dude, like, don't get mad at me because your career ain't where it's at. I'm not the one who, uh, you know, it ain't my fault, Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean Pete. Uh, Sean Hogan was my groundlings teacher. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he said, you know, how it worked back then was 12 classes at the end of the sixth. He gives you your evaluation and all that. So he's like, dude, you're the funniest person in class. You're the team leader. You just got to work a little bit on your space work, which is true. I mean, I, literally, if there was a scene where I had to pick up a phone, I, I would like. Yeah. You know, I you know instead of so uh, instead of hold it like a real phone, right? You would do the the pinky and uh, thumb know, thing, the the uh, hang loose, yeah, <laughs> uh, hang ten in your ear, yeah, you would hang, hang ten from your ear. So I was like, okay, he's right. I I, I got no problem with that feedback. Mm-hmm. So six through twelve, I like worked like a maniac to pretend like it's not like he was telling you to be antagonistic on your podcast. Right. You know, I still left the guy's review up. You know, I have no shame. <laughs> like this podcast is independent i i'm not uh i'm not on death squad or all things comedy or a slave to the viacom network <laughs> i'm doing it right i know what time it is <laughs> earl's got his finger in the air i know which way the wind is blowing <laughs> i don't know what that meant uh so uh it, so i go in to get the pass or not pass thing and uh you know before my ass hit the chair He's like, you know, you're not good enough to do this, right? I'm like, well, that that's kind of not exact. I mean, what? What? Wait, I thought he was kidding. I thought, oh, this is like one last improv game. Yeah, we're I'm, gonna, I'm, you know, we're gonna riff now. Yeah, I, I really thought that, and he's just like, no, you gotta retake the class again. I'm like, well, you just passed Susie, who was horrible. Like Stevie Wonder could see she was awful. Yeah, <laughs> but she's fucking another instructor. And this, so I got into this with them. I'm like, well, fuck you, man, you bitter bastard. And they told me not to come back. Wow. But I like, I'm honest. I should have gotten to at least the next level. And mm-hmm. then 
you know, I probably wasn't good enough at that time to get into the performance group, but like, you know, it was like a pyramid scheme, you know, back then, I don't know how it's run now. Right. But how long ago was this? This was uh, two weeks ago. No, um, (laughs) this was things might have changed (laughs) 12 years ago, maybe more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But back then it was kind of a pyramid scheme of if no one left the performance group, no one from the writing, whatever the name, it's called the writing lab or something could advance. And then second group, no one could go to the third group. Like, so it was just kind of like, Oh, just take it again. I'm like, no, that's like $700. Like I'm not just, yeah. It wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't so expensive. I mean, I did gain benefit from it, uh, you know, to play with others, uh, you know, listen and, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm better off as a standalone comic. I think, you know, I, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed stand. I know a lot of comics don't like improv, but I enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of stuff, but I was also a theater kid too. So I was already, I was introduced to it in a fun way before I knew it wasn't cool to like it. You know right. what I mean? So I did that stuff first when I was like in high school and outside of high school, I did community theater and all that stuff. And then stand up. I just liked the best cause it was the hardest. I still believe it's the hardest. It is without question the hardest, but that was always like more fun to me. Like I always did shit like that. I was the only female golfer. There was like no female golfers for like three, three out of the four years I was in, in high school. I just used to do shit on my own all the time. So it was like, it wasn't, I liked being part of a team, but it didn't bother me being alone. You still play golf? Yeah. I mean, your boobs are so big. I'm not trying to be creepy, but I mean, is it hard to play golf when you have big boobs? It's my tits aren't that big. They I don't have that, that big small. Then I don't. I never think of them as big. I think it's because my mom's got huge tits. So in comparison, it just they don't seem big to me. But is it hard to play golf when you have any boobs? Because I, I look at the LPGA. It was easier when they when I was a you know. It was easier when I was like 13 or 14 and I didn't have much tits. It is harder because it's right there when you have to, you have to pivot from Does your it center. impede your swing? No, I got a good natural one. And where do you play out here? Um, I don't have my clubs out here, so I haven't gotten to play in like a year. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'll just go to the range and stuff like that and practice just so I don't lose it. But other than that, I don't get to play. I mean, golf is very much like stand up. You're you're out there alone. Yeah. Like there's no one to blame. Yeah, except you. And I like situations like that. That's what I'm saying is like, I like doing a lot of stuff on my own. Cause then I don't have to be ever be mad at anybody, but me, which is right. kind of, I like that. Yeah, no, I love, that's what I love about stand up. You get all the glory and like when it doesn't go well, you get that too. Whatever, exactly. that, <laughs> whatever that is, you get it. Uh, so I, I used to play golf every day until my clubs were stolen. So no way. Well, I was lucky and you know, I don't want to bore people who are repeat listeners, but like I, I got to play golf at Bel Air country club like every day. And so I was mm-hmm. hooked on it just cause it's so nice up there. It's like, I was very spoiled in that sense. And then my parents moved to Florida and I was like, well, I still, and they had to sell the membership. So I'm like, well, I want to want to play golf. You know, Bel Air was kind of a racist country club. Like there was no blacks. Oh, really? Uh, was that like in the rules of like one of the bylaws or something? I think it was an unwritten rule. Right. There's mm-hmm. like literally, I think one black member out of 900. Right. Uh, so I joined Mountain Gate Country Club, which is uh, up in the 
weird area between the valley and here so it's like i guess los angeles and uh but they let blacks be members mexicans uh, asians uh, any kind of minority and so the first day i left my clubs outside the pro shop to buy golf balls came out my clubs were stolen <laughs> the guy was so excited to be at a club that had minorities who were members not just caddies or whatever and then right i literally haven't picked up a club since wow so how long ago was this this was uh, two weeks ago I'm just uh, <laughs> this was probably 15 years ago and i was like loved golf because it's such a it's a sexual feeling when you hit that ball perfectly like a punchline. like i don't think there's there's and non-golfers won't understand that they'll be like yeah, how good can that feel but when you hit that ball perfectly, it's not quite as good, but it is good. It's not quite as good as like as like an improvised line that just came out of your skull that crushes really hard. See, to me, it is. Yeah. But, you know, because uh, I realize how hard golf is. It's a fucking hard. It doesn't look hard. It's really hard. And again, I'm not saying it doesn't feel good. Just for me, I think I still think like comedy would win a little bit. Well, if you like golf that much, why don't you just go to the fucking Goodwill and and get a a shitty set? Well, I um, I'm a very weird guy. I have to have custom clubs because I have a I have a strange body. Like my arms. You are, do? Well, it's What's strange, strange about it. I mean, I'm not muscular, but I'm not skinny. I have yeah that's all golfers <laughs> but I have like longer arms than my height mm -hmm. would like I probably have the the arms lengthwise of someone who's six four or six five mm -hmm. so my arms don't really fit my body like uh so in terms of golf clubs I like them to be taller why would why wouldn't you want them s shorter because they're closer to and, the ground your arms are longer th well that's the weirdness of Earl like when I play hockey, I love my hockey sticks super tall. Like there's a player on the Boston Bruins named Zidane Ochara. He's six nine, and he got a legal extension to play with these obnoxiously tall sticks because he's just so much bigger than everyone. Right. Because uh, in in the NHL they have a rule. I, I don't think your stick can be longer than. 67 inches or something otherwise guys would just play with these super long sticks to get the puck yeah sure uh but with him they're not his stick is like 74 inches but it has to be because he's so tall so i buy his sticks i play with his sticks even though he's you know eight inches taller than me so i just like think it's the um the torque you can get with a taller uh stick or club uh, yeah, I get that. Um, you get a bigger swing. Right. And uh, you generate more uh, force. At least that's... But I'm not trying to be a pro golfer, so you know I can afford to be a little... I would hope not. Not if you haven't played in 15 years. That would be a really bad uh, trajectory for, for a the pro ones, golfer career. <laughs> well, yeah, I think at 49, uh, to try and get on the PGA Tour, it's, <laughs> it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> probably have a better chance of getting a new faces at Montreal. <laughs> But uh, hey, I'm not bitter about that. <laughs> I might be a little bitter. But. I was going to say, you've said it enough times where I might start to believe that you might be a bitter about a couple things. I might be bitter about new faces. Yeah. Because I did audition for it a few years in a row. And like the third year, I should have gotten it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, two people who got it that year um, bombed. I mean, dead silence in the room. 
So the next year when I auditioned, the, the guy running the camera was like, hey, you know, you should have got it last year. I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. He's like, why these other two people get it? And they're like, oh, they have managers. So that was like my first, oh, it's not just about being funny moment. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is just how I am. Like, hey, if I'm funnier than you, I should get the gig over you. Right. Or or vice versa. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, finally realized after almost 20 years in stand-up that it just doesn't work like that. So I, I might be a smidge bitter about that. That's fair. Because uh, I just think that the funniest person should get the job. You know. I know, but we don't, we don't, we definitely aren't in a just business. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, you know, it took me almost literally probably 17, 18 years ago. Oh, you got to play the game a little bit too. Yeah. Which I hate doing. Mm-hmm. I just want to be funny. My why part- don't you want to, why don't you want to play the game? Because well, it's the show business game. You can just be a stand up comic. Well, I don't want to be some road dude. What does that mean? You know, I work the road plenty. But but everyone's different. Like, I don't want to play the loony bin in, you know, Arkansas for, you know, a couple hundred dollars profit. I, you know, I'd rather try and get on a TV show and, and, and make it. So you don't really want to do stand up then? Because even famous people tour. I don't mean TV show. Like, I mean, I'd rather get on a TV as a comic because I know that gets you into better club situations. Like, I don't want to pl- play the chuckle hut. And, you know, I mean, but it also. But a lot of those places have closed down over the last five years. Like, if you want to just do stand up, you can still do that. You could still carve a, uh, a, um, an audience for yourself. I mean, Stanhope did it. You know what I mean? He's not playing the chuckle hut. He's, he's headlining a small theater. You know, well, yeah, or, that to me I would do, but it's just, and that's part of the reason why I do this podcast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a great um, angle to carve out your niche audience, people who think you're going to, uh, who are funny, who you're funny too. Like, yeah, people who fan. think you're funny and want to follow you and oh, are interested this. in you. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, like hockey fans love me, heavy metal fans love me, the, the roast battle crowd, people mm-hmm. who watch that show love me. So, uh, you know, I would do the road if it was like worth my while, but I don't want to like, you know, be opening up for someone who was, a on the Hollywood squares season two, (laughs) but you don't have to, you've also been doing comedy 20 years. You would be headlining those places. Well, now I can, you know, better money than that. Like, but I mean, now I can, cause I have actual TV credits. Yeah. You know, but a so, lot of a lot of people that didn't even have TV credits were still could still headline. It was still like there was still part of the industry that was that wasn't about oh you need TV credits and and there are places like there are comedy clubs that are run by fans of comedy that they want they want and they would just book people that they thought were funny and they're like I want my club to see these people these are the people that I believe are funny whether they're famous or not it doesn't matter. You know, there's still plenty of places like that. And there's still a lot of like rock clubs and stuff like that you can do. It doesn't all have to be fucking chuckle hut. Like that's just a stereotype of people who don't really do the road. Think of, you know, but I mean, I did the road a lot in the early days. So like it's not a stereotype for me because, you know, like I would open up for these like leatherneck. I did too, man. You know. I did too for a long time. But I'm just saying like the road, the road has changed a lot. A lot of those clubs are closing. It's 
there's a lot of a lot cooler ways to do the road than there used to be, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. But now I feel just for me, for myself, that mm-hmm. I'm in a position to be not make demands because I'm certainly not famous. But like I love how Stanhope does it. He almost avoids comedy clubs and he'll do a bar show where he gets I don't know what he but like he works it where he's in a position of power. It's like if you want me in your club, this is what it's going to take to get me there mm-hmm. and i feel that i'm in a slightly better position to say okay you want me to come to nashville to do this this is what i need if you want to give it to me i'll be there if yeah. not it's all good like i'm not, i wasn't in that position five years ago so like, oh, shut up no one knows who you are you'll you'll take this you'll open for this guy you'll headline on wednesday night and be happy with it right uh now i feel like you know, I'm in a better position of uh, not, not power, but uh, negotiating. Yeah, you have more leverage. Right. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I had zero leverage. So, um, you know, I just, you know, but the road's different to, you know, some people love doing triple runs. Right. Like they get off. I don't know. I don't, I don't know anybody that loves it, but a lot of people wear it as a badge of honor. But some people (laughs) continually do them. Like they love, oh, I get to go to Grants Pass, Oregon. And then that'd be a good place for Louie to go right now. (laughs) So he could still work on stand up. And Tribble would poke him too. Oh, that's my point. (laughs) I mean, the worst person I've ever dealt with. Well, second worst person in LA in comedy in general in 20 years like just not care doesn't give a shit about the comics we'll send you know hey Earl uh, Grant's Pass is the first gig but can you pick up the headliner yeah he lives in Mississippi uh, <laughs> oh, okay cool yeah no problem I never did a triple run everybody always talked about it as a rite of passage but I never did it but it was also like by the time because again I was east coast so by the time I worked my way because that's how I did it I, I just kind of spread from Florida to the Southeast, to the East coast, to the East coast and mid uh, Midwest. And I just kind of moved West um, as far as like trying to work. And then I skipped the middle and went to the Pacific Northwest. But by the time I got out there, triple didn't have very much enough for a real good, like a run that was worth it. I mean, not that it was ever really worth it, but it was, it would only be like three nights and that's not worth it. You know? Not when you're driving seven to 10 hours between each gig. Yeah. You just, I mean, in, on paper, it's like, oh, I'm getting a hundred bucks to feature for, you know, Roger Peltz. Yeah. <laughs> Great. But then you, you know, you're sitting in your living room or your apartment. You're like, yeah, that's 300 bucks. But then you don't calculate. Oh, that's 10 hours of driving. There's no hotel. The gas is insane on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, oh. especially like. Before, at the very beginning when I started was when Bush was in office. So it was like gas was actually really expensive. <laughs> it was really fucking expensive. So like I knew all the road guys that I knew then were really struggling because they couldn't even afford to get. Yeah, they would be doing co- they were doing comedy after they've been doing comedy for 20 years or doing comedy for free, which yeah. sucks. I mean, you don't calculate you're lucky if you come back to LA losing a few hundred dollars you yeah know, gas food mm-hmm. hotels on your off nights uh, you know is, is on you uh, plus if you I know. always just couch surfed that's how I made money living on the road just, I didn't have an apartment and uh I didn't live anywhere and I just couch surfed it's easy when you're a chick you're non-threatening nobody thinks you're gonna rape them it's fine but and most people are really nice to you but isn't the um 
the danger in that going you, you know you, if you're on some horny road comics couch like they are you uh, and, and especially since you were like had some molestation in your your past like does that flag pop up like is this guy gonna try and fuck me tonight I mean, you're not, you weren't usually staying in the same room as them, but I would also just go on the road with dudes that I knew and knew that weren't creepy, you know? And then if I worked with somebody that I, that gave off a weird vibe or something like that, I would just go back to the hotel immediately after the show or whatever, you know? And then, I mean, there still was a time, uh, a married dude tried to, tried to like hold me down and stuff like that. But then really? I just, yeah. Um, I was in in some place in where was it? Like Providence, Rhode Island? Not Providence, Rhode Island. I don't remember. It was in some town in like Mar. It was Maryland or one of those West Hollywood on Larrabee. No. <laughs> oh wait, I'm not married. My bad. My bad. <laughs> no, but it was just this dude, and it was a guy that I'd worked with before, and um, it was super super chill. We had smoked pot before we worked together in Florida a couple of times. It was always cool. And then we were doing this gig and it was like, it was sad because the, the hotel we were in was practically abandoned. Like it was, we were the only two people staying there as well as like the dude that cleaned the place who's lived in one of the hotel rooms on the, ho on, pro on property and whose hotel room looked like a ho an episode of hoarders. Like it there was so much shit in that tiny little hotel room. And then after the show one night, we were just, uh, I had actually had a better set than he did that night. And it was one of those things where we, uh, we just had a cocktail. We were, but I was like, you want to smoke pot? Whatever. Like we, like that had happened several times before and no, nobody ever thought anything of it. And he was like, for sure. And then we went and smoked pot. We were just bullshitting. I think we were talking about therapy or something at one point. And then he like tries to grab me and kiss me. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Stop it. Because you weren't that drunk or not, not. I wasn't drunk at all. I had like maybe two drinks and was just smoking pot. Like, so I wasn't like he was probably more because he probably I'm speculating, but was, probably drank more because uh, he was on the road or, you know, he never gets a chance to drink on the road if you're, have a, you know, a family at home and stuff like that. So he might have been more drunk, but um, yeah. And then I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he was like, oh, you don't think. You're trying to say like you don't want this. And I was like, no, I don't. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying I don't want this. Let me go, you fucking weirdo. Cut it out. No means no, comics. Not no, keep going, <laughs> you fucking slobs. <laughs> Sorry, that got a little too real there. Um, but it was just, again, but the, the, those those instances didn't happen. It, like once you, you snapped him out of what the, whatever kind of fucking creepy trance they were in, they were they were fine, you know. But yeah, I had people I had people be be weird and you just go, hey, quit being weird. You're making things uncomfortable because a lot of times people don't even realize they're being creepy, too. Oh, I think they know. They're not some of them do some the people that are predatory. But sometimes people are just ignorantly like I like you and they don't know how to act. So they end up like crossing a line or something. And especially if it's a contact that you don't want. There's no way for them to know that unless you go, what the fuck are you doing? You know, or cut that out. What are, what do you, what do you think is happening right now? Right. This you know? is not happening. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, Netflix with Ari. Uh, Netflix. Is so, it on Netflix now? Oh, uh, well, I guess it's Comedy on Central. Uh, Comedy Central. And Ari, I think, has something else mm -hmm. going on Netflix. I can't keep up with the, you know, these people. <laughs> 
people go rogue all the time in this yeah. business. Um, now, in this whole Me Too environment, do you, have you ever, uh, I guess we're kind of talking about it now, but uh, did you find it hard being a woman on the road? Like, because uh, bookers, comics, they're animals. Men are pigs. Uh, you know. But I've always been assertive. And again, I've always been in male dominated situations. So I was, I'm used to that. You know, I was the only chick, uh, you know, it was mostly, it was all dudes when it was golf. It was all dudes. When I started, like when I started stand up, there was only like one or two other chicks. And that was also the era when chicks didn't get booked together because then it would seem like a twat fest and nobody wants that at that time. Yeah, I don't know about that. But I'm saying at that time, right. that was, that wasn't like cool for, to have more than one chick on a show. So I've been in mostly nothing but dudes for like the last 12 years, 15 years. So I'm used to the situations like that. I don't, I don't, uh, exist among this like in fear of being raped you know right in in my house right yeah no i'm not scared of you raping me what are you fucking kidding me see there you go was, maybe this could be what we argue about sure what do you mean i'm going no i'm just kidding <laughs> i know you want it baby i mean you've seen the dick pic <laughs> what everybody's the seen your dick earl well, even yesterday, uh, at the when the cast was eating, you know, someone uh, brought it up. Hey, Earl, you should show everyone your dick pic. I'm like, uh, you know, I don't want to get kicked off this show. Like, I'm very happy being on. I'm dying up here. Like, I'm good. Like, and they're like, like oh. they wanted you to bust it out. Yeah, on set. Yeah, and there's like, you know, I won't say who was in the room, but a couple of the, you know, main females on the show. I'm like, no, no, I'm. And they're like, no, we want to see it. I'm like, I literally had to be like, you're consenting. It's 3 p.m. We are at the so and so <laughs> studios. I'm in a you room. You should have made with, him sign a paper. Well, I got sign this right here that says right. you actually want to see it. I got verbal. Uh, uh, I think you have to should have to do that. You should send a captcha with your uh, with your dick pic. Like one of those little robot things, like you have to type in the code in order to see it. Um, no, not a meme. Like like when you go to put in your credit card information, right. and it's like it makes the website make right, sure you're right. not a like a robot. You are. I think you should. Those should just go with your dick pic, so nobody ever sees an unwanted one. You can if you type in the code, that means you want to see it, and you get it. What? Yeah, there's six pictures. How many are storefronts? <laughs> How many of these are dicks? Because <laughs> it happened to me the other night at the comedy store. You know like, what? Somebody else wanted to see your dick, two and or, you got nervous. Well, two of the newer waitresses. Uh, hey, we've all heard about your dick pic. You know, can we see it? I'm like, oh, no, I'm, 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 I'm good. Thank you. It's like I can't. It's a whole new scene. You know, you're the dick pic guy. Wow. Harvey Weinstein, uh, Brett Ratner. Uh, you know, no, I'm good. I, I like my spots. I get here. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting. But uh, all of the other ones had already seen it, though. So they were the ones who told these the newer uh, waitresses. Right. So, so I, May was probably like a rite of passage. You yeah, become yeah. a rite of passage for the people who work at the comedy store. But it's a whole new era now. Now, I, you know, a year ago, I'd be like, yeah, here it is. <laughs> right. Uh, but but now, now you go, are you sure? Yeah, you're 100% sure. You are asking <laughs> me, Earl Skakel, to show you. Blah, 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 blah. Do you like, get off on showing people? No, I just, I like the shock value of like, uh, just the, 
the weirdness. Because some people like that. I mean, like they're. I mean, in an extreme form of it, it's like you know people that like to flash people and stuff like that. Like there's like a thrill out of showing somebody something that they weren't expecting to see. Well, it's such a great pick that it's just. I, I like the reaction. Have your listeners seen it? Uh, uh, well, I don't want to get kicked off of iTunes. You know, they're weird. You're with, not going to get kicked off. But they're of weird iTunes. with, like you know. Do you have like a, a like a Facebook group for all of your listeners where they can go and like talk about stuff? You could post it there. It would be a secret group, right? You know? uh, no, I'm good on, on having a secret group on Facebook. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I prefer one on one. Uh, or on Patreon, you can have listeners pay to be able to see it. Yeah, I mean, I might. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm trying to get sponsors for this podcast. I might. Uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll figure. But this it is out. for your listeners, man. What if your listeners want to see your dick? Well, I tell you what, especially if you're talking about it on a regular basis on here, you can't just keep talking about your dick pic and not show people. Here's the deal. Like, and I've been, like I told you before we started, I've been studying the art of the podcast, when to release, when to promote, sure, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, iTunes, and this is something for you and Brian as well. And I'm being dead serious. Uh, I think part of the reason I've moved up the charts so much is I've gotten a lot of new reviews. And oh. I guess they look at that like, you know, I would say in the last two months, I've gotten maybe 50 to 100 uh, new reviews. So uh, if you guys leave uh, an appropriate Earl, a review on iTunes, I don't want it to be fake. If you don't like the show, leave a bad review. Hopefully you do and you leave a good review. I will send you my dick pic. It's a, you have to. That's a pretty wow. That's a that is a lofty exchange. Well, you, you know, they said in an article I read that, you know, reviews spike iTunes. Uh -huh. uh, so you have to, if you're having trouble getting them or if you just want more than what you have, you have to offer an incentive, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to your listeners. I mean, it literally takes 30 seconds under that. It does. You click your picture. It takes such a small amount of time. You could go and leave a review for Inappropriate Earl and still have time to leave a review on No Sir, I Don't Like It on my podcast page. That's totally you could capable. Leave You're totally capable of doing that. A review on literally both of our podcasts in under a minute. Yeah. You just click the picture. Uh, you look at... Uh, <laughs> You go on the reviews that are up there already, and there's a small button that says leave a review. A great podcast. Love the guest. That's it. Bam. You could even just write rad. Three, four characters with an exclamation point if you want to be excitable about it. Four characters could change your and my lives. Isn't that funny? Isn't well, that funny how that works? But I mean, you know, then we get sponsors and, and you know, stuff like that. And, and then that gives us the ability to maybe buy better equipment. And, That's or, why I never get like our, our entire careers are based on pe if people like us. Yeah. I mean, uh, so that's why I never understood how it's like some comics don't like the audience. Like they get mad at the audience. Well, I think some people, uh, are socially awkward. And so they get off on the confrontation of, uh, I mean, and if they want to have, like, you can, I mean, there's been uh, abusive relationships that, that don't end, you know, sometimes, uh, people get used to some, like maybe, maybe you could train an audience to be used to you being combative. I'm certain like a lot of people, I mean, 
Sam Kennison yelled at people for fucking 20 years, however, however long his career was. I forgot how many years it was, but that's like, you can, you can, uh, find people to in, that enjoy that. Well, I mean like uh, roast battle fans, like when they come see me at a, a stand-up show, they want me to roast them. It's like, no, that's not really my normal sense of humor. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to sit there and call you fat or, or wh- whatever you want me to, you know, like, you know, I don't hurt your feelings, but they, I, they want, yeah, you know, but I get it. Like when I met Don Rickles at book soup, which is right up the street, it's a, like a indie bookstore. I was like, Hey, will you say something bad about me? And he looked at me like, fuck off. I'm like, why would I, you're buying my book. Why would I like, I'm like, no, I want it. Yeah. <laughs> he called me a hockey puck or something like, <laughs> you know, so I kind of, that's a classic. It's a classic Rickles line. But I mean, I, I kind of get it where, you know, these people are, I think some audiences like to be, uh, um, well, it's also just or their way of getting attention from you specifically. Yeah. Like I get DMS all the time. Hey, will you send, send me some roast jokes about me? Like here's my picture and just say anything you want about me. And I'm like, I, I'm no. <laughs> this one guy kept doing it and doing it. So finally I started <laughs> roasting him. I don't think he liked it. <laughs> <laughs> you know so uh but fans fans it's weird the interactions you have with fans because you need them you want their yeah that's what i mean you need their approval it's so funny because if you really think about it comics we we're really just it's almost like an obnoxious confidence to the point that we want you to pay for us to exist yeah because if you know we I've always laughed at comics who say they don't need the approval of their fans, but you do because if your livelihood depends on it. Yeah. You know, if you were just doing it cause you, I don't know, you're not doing it for the approval. You just do it in your bedroom by yourself. That's not enough. Well, Not even if it's just for the approval. It's, it's also like you have to, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Like, it's not necessarily for their approval. Like you still want to do good. I still have a, a bit of the, I still want to make people laugh. Like I still enjoy that. That's, it's not the only reason I do stand up, but it's definitely part of it. Like I, I'm also, but I'm also a people pleaser, like on a, on a psych level. Like I'm, I'm constantly in relationships where people who need help and I, and I really enjoy situations like that. Like, you know what I mean? Oh, I do. Yeah. Do you? (laughs) Yep. Yep. (sighs) What's the matter, Earl? What does that mean? My heart rate just went up a minute. (laughs) (sighs) Are you okay? getting some flashbacks right now right. <laughs> so i mean uh, yeah i agree with you <laughs> why but, did you ask me about dating a comedian what about it well i mean i think there's pros and cons to it i, I think it's a very uh what are the cons i mean i've never had this happen in in my like last three relationships but i've so seen why is it a con well because i've seen it with other people oh okay uh like you know i, I think if you know, you're along the same experience level. And I don't mean age wise, but like the same fame level, like whether you're two open micers or you're two feature acts or mm-hmm. headliners and one starts to go a little bit ahead of the other. I've seen that cause problems 
you know, uh, and it's certainly an individual case by case basis, but, uh, you know, one gets on a TV show, the other audition for it, didn't get it. There's going to be like, I think a natural, and some there's not, I guess it depends on the individuals, but like, uh, you know, like with me and any of the last three, I was rooting for them. I wanted you to get this show or that show. It's, it's not like I'm going out for the same roles. Right. So, you know, never, that's why I never ran into it, you know. But I feel like that would be difficult right now, especially if, if you're, if you're a, a straight white dude in a, in a industry that's seeking diversity, like, you would have to constantly check your shit just because they like it's they don't really want you right now. Oh, I, I, I'm in the world. And I don't even mean you. I mean, like a royal you of like because there's still the majority is still white dudes doing it. But at the same time, in an industry that right now is focusing on being diverse, like it's not going to benefit you. So that would be more likely to happen right now. Oh, I, I think you are talking about me like no, not, not you, not oh. you, but like you are because uh, like I'm in the worst category in the history of stand up, an older white comic who's like, you know, I'm not like model looking, but I'm not like completely atrocious looking. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of just in that tweener like, OK, what? All right, well, let's just go with the 20 year old who's like a Barbie doll. But he he he's not very funny, but like, you know, just you know, I've seen well, that's that. kind of like what really bummed me out about this shift in comedy wars when they started casting comedians. Do you know what I mean? Like where they started, were like they started picking us like they would pick a, a cast. Yeah. You well, know, I think that's what it's about is which sucks because it used to like that was why I was one of the reasons why I thought stand up was so beautiful is it didn't have anything to do with your appearance. It just had to do with your brain it was like the one art form where it was just your fucking brain could get you success. And like over time it's ever, I mean vanity in general, I think in, especially in this country, specifically Los Angeles, specifically in the in entertainment industry, vanity has always been a big sales um, technique, but I think more so in maybe the last 10 years, it's just gotten more and more about like, well, does he have hair? I don't want to book him if he doesn't have hair. You know, if you're not already famous, you have to look a particular way in order to be getting things. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it goes back to, you know, 40 minutes ago. I, I just, I just want to be funny. Like, and if you're funnier than I am, then you should get the gig. Uh, so, I mean, but it's, I wonder why, what, what made that happen? What made that shift happen? Was I it mean, like, cause after the boom happened, I mean, probably someone in marketing, uh, Hey, we want to market toward a younger audience. We need a younger comic. You know, we need someone that. So you think it was like Dane cook, maybe like Dane cook was the first one where they were like, Oh shit, we have all these college girls coming out to this. This seems like a market that we're untapping. Yeah, because, uh, you know, I had a, an ex-girlfriend of mine before I started like, dating comics. You know, she was in the music business, and um, she was one of the bigger promoters on the Sunset Strip in the 80s when it's the same thing. You know, a lot of bands in the 80s made it on their looks and, you know, their presentation versus their actual musicianship. Sure. Like, I love the band Poison. Mm -hmm. You know, 
their songs are very simple. But if you look at that first Poison album cover, I think it was Look What the Cat Dragged In. What's the name of the album? They right. all four look like chicks. Like, I would fuck every person on that album cover. Yeah, they're pretty. They were beyond pretty. Like, you could put me in drag. And, you know, you could do my makeup, hair, and you could probably make me look passable. But I wouldn't look pretty. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. These dudes looked pretty. They were beyond pretty is what I'm saying. Like, they were supermodels. Um, and she told me, you get the hot girls want to see hot guys, and then the guys want to be where the girls are. So it's the dang cook. Derry is right. Like, you know, all these girls want to see Dane Cook, but then all the guys want to be in there. They all can't fuck Dane Cook. These girls are going to be horny after the show. So you get, you're basically the fallback for the, the 2,000 girls who didn't get to fuck Dane Cook that night. But in that same, but that's what, that was so, so unfortunate to me is before, before stand-up got as big as it is now, it was like, you could be a Richard Pryor or a George Carlin or right. a Phyllis Diller or a fucking, you know what I mean? Where it wasn't, it was about your, or a Roseanne bar where it was all about what you had to say. Well, it's probably the internet too. change that, uh, you know, young people are, you know, internet freaks. And, you know, that's why you see Vine or well, not Vine anymore, but like you saw Vine stars get, headlining stand-up gigs just because they have a million followers and you know but they don't have 10 minutes of material so yeah you might fool that crowd once to get in there but they ain't gonna come back a second time for someone like you or me who are actually <laughs> have the t the time but i don't think those people would have come out anyways because the only reason they came out was to see that person from the youtube or the whatever the fucking snapchat or vine or whatever the fuck it was they weren't already regularly coming to stand-up shows or else they would have already, they would have already been, you know what I mean? Like they would have already been a comedy regular and would have been like, who the fuck is this guy? It wouldn't have mattered. You know I mean, what I mean? That could be true too. But it's also, it's just getting people into the club that wouldn't have regularly been there. And then they might be more inclined to come back, but if they eat it, they won't. So then the club state, like they invest in these people and they don't end up, like making future profit from it. I mean, I get both sides of it. If I'm a club owner and I know some Instagram star is going to sell out my club and two drinks and, uh, you know, whatever the door thing is mm -hmm. versus hiring you or me to a half empty room. Yeah, I guess I would book. I get it. But since I'm on the other side of that equation, uh, I don't like it. But welcome to Hollywood. Right. I just I just don't understand where the shift is and why it happened. I just don't get it. Why would they have applied the same? It makes sense in, in music because there's more sex in music. Like you can make music to make feel a, a range of emotions, you know, make them feel sexy, make them feel angry, make them feel forlorn, make them sad and lament the past. You can make them sentimental. There's so many different things you can do with music. Whereas stand up again, we are just saying things to elicit one specific reaction over and over and over again. There's a reason it's called laughs per minute. We want you to laugh. That's the whole fucking point of it. So what the fuck do, do looks have anything to do with that? Well, I think some, uh, to, to a degree, no, in, in, how, in terms of how we think about it, but like, 
you know, I saw, uh, I got bumped one night at the comedy store for the girl, who was she? Rocky from Below the Deck. It's a, I watch it and full disclosure. <laughs> so I was kind of curious to see. I didn't mind being bumped because I was like, I want to see what she does. And she was horrible. She literally got up there and she's like, wow, I don't even want to be up here. That was her first words. Oh, good. And then she's like, what do you want to talk about? I'm like, oh, wow. That's the first two things she said. And she seemed like a nice enough person. Sure. Uh, but it's like she would get headlining work over most comics we know. You know, mm -hmm. Rocky from Below Deck here at uh, the Comedy Zone in Jacksonville. Feature act, Screech. We'll, yeah. We'll see you on the red carpet after the show. So... I get it. People from who watch Below the Deck would probably have a heart attack getting over themselves to get into that club that night. So, uh, you know, but we see it, you know, all the time in, you know, this business, people doing stand-up who, I mean, look at Jeremy Piven. Yeah. I heard him, uh, and he's, the once again, nice guy. I mean, I I don't know about, you know, some of that stuff that's, I mean, he's seems like a nice enough guy, you know, just talking to him. Right. Uh, but, you know, I heard him say the other night, uh, yeah, I think I got this now. I was like, what? Got this. I've seen you walk off of a show after three minutes because the lights weren't right. Like, I don't think you have it. <laughs> I don't know what you have, but it ain't stand-up. <laughs> but he will get booked anywhere over you and I. So it's just the way it is. So... You know, Jimmy Carr gave me the best advice. He's like, don't worry about that. Worry about your side of the road and be funny. And it'll take care of itself. So that's what I'm trying to do now. I don't know. Is it is it true, though? Is that true? I mean, in the in the for me, I wouldn't mind a uh, a slow burn career where it's like things happened later on. I wouldn't mind that because I that's like I said before, I still like this. You know, I still like doing it. I just like being able to make a living doing it. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a I have the ultimate slow burn career. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I would say burn. It was a slow tiki torch. <laughs> but I mean, I love it. You know, I'm finally, I wouldn't say I'm successful, but like, you know, almost 20 years in on a couple TV shows and all that stuff. Sure. I mean... And I'm ready for it. Like if someone called me uh, tomorrow in New York and said, hey, do you want to headline the stand tomorrow night? I would do it because I'm ready. Yeah. Ten years ago, I probably wouldn't have been ready to headline the stand. Why? I mean, I was funny ten years ago, but now I'm confident that I have an hour that like is a good hour. Like not, yeah. uh, you know, because I think a lot of people are under the miscalculation of... Uh, just oh, because you get to a, an hour means you can do yeah. an hour, that kind of idea. Yeah. It's not just physically doing an hour. Is is it a good hour? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, when I used to open up for Rob Schneider, he did an hour and 15 minutes every night. And, you know, it was a good hour and 15 minutes. Like, and he, he wasn't relying on impressions or. That was, he was one of the ones that I really, uh, as far as like actors doing stand up that I didn't mind because he actually was like making an effort to be better. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some people that go on the road um, that aren't comics and they do, they do their thing or whatever it is. And it's, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> whatever it is <laughs> and it's it like, in comedy right and they try to pass themselves off as comedians that i that bothers me more than like say a um like somebody like rob schneider like he would go and he would actually try like after the set after his shows i you know i worked with him a couple of times and after the shows, he was like writing notes and yeah. like figuring like he was studious about he wanted to be better. And then from the first year that I saw him to the second year that I saw him, he was better. He was. You know what I mean? He was making an effort to be better at the craft, not just like I'm famous. I do it a handful of times. I got this, you know? Well, unlike like say someone like Jeremy Piven, like Rob started out as a stand up. Right. And he basically got famous right away. So, well, yeah, because he got on SNL. Yeah, he, he got on SNL, and then Deuce Bigelow was a huge hit. Mm-hmm. So I said, like, well, why go to Jacksonville and play the comedy zone when I just made 200 grand an episode or whatever he... But that's... I never understood. But, but there's still plenty of other places you could do stand-up for more money. But you I think you lose to. motivation. Like, it's, I think it's hard for people like you and me, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Okay. I, I think when you struggle, as long as, say, you and I have, and still haven't made it yet mm-hmm. we can't imagine going yeah i don't want to play a comedy club down south but like when you're if we were making 300 grand a week on a tv show or whatever he made i think you lose just naturally a little bit of your burn and drive to want to do the smaller gigs but wouldn't you still want to do it in general though well me i would because i love stand-up like um I'm not doing stand-up to get on TV. I want to get on TV to get better stand-up gigs. Like I'm doing it in the reverse. Mm-hmm. Like most, not most, but I think a fair amount of comics want to, as soon as they get on TV, they're like, I'm, I'm, I'll do stand-up here and there. Yeah. Like I'm the, I'd be the opposite. The more I got on TV, the more stand-up I would do. Because you can play theaters and you can play, I want to play in front of as many people as possible. Do I love playing the original room at 1230 at night? Absolutely. In front of eight people, I I, I treat it like there's 300 in there. Sure. Uh, which I wish more people would do. I mean, there's a few people up there who's like, oh, I'm going on at one in the morning. This fucking sucks. I should be going on earlier. And I looked at this one dude. I'm like, who should you be going on earlier on this lineup tonight? <laughs> you tell me. Do they have me. an answer? No. Of course not. <laughs> I'm like, I go on it. I would say anywhere between 12 and 12.45, depending on who's on the lineup. And I, you know, it's Jasmine, like it's Dalia, it's Rogan, it's Joey Diaz, it's Mary Lynn, it's Eliza, it's, you know, Fahim, people, yeah. that, Jason Galern. Like, uh, I shouldn't go. Or on. sometimes you get a, a Chappelle drop in. What are you going to do? Oh, I should be going on before Chappelle. <laughs> but I've seen comics who got bumped for Chappelle get pissed about it and say like, you got to be kidding me how fucking delusional are you that you think you should go on instead of him because he's going to do an hour yeah but i get it i got bumped one night for him i literally was being called to the stage and it was like hey man dave's here and uh you know you're disappointed because you want to go up sure but i get it you know it's like if you're in a gang bang and lexington steel walks in he gets to go before you yeah probably not the best example but (laughs) but i'm self-aware like yeah he's just you know he's a bigger comic i get it Mm -hmm. but you get it i but a lot of people don't like this guy the other night was like where on this lineup should you be going ahead of anyone 
Like, you know, it's just you're pissed about it. Get on TV shows and you'll get to go on before me or not me per se, but like, yeah. you know, Anthony Jeselnik, you want to go on before him? We'll become the star of the, all the Comedy Central roast and have three Netflix specials and you'll go on before him. Until then, shut up. Yeah, because that's the other thing too is it's not like it's still like a, there's still elements of like a fraternity where it's it's like he's earned this and you're not here yet. Yeah, it's, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's the number one club in the country. And it's not just the comedy store. But, but you it's know. all clubs. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, cause there's being able to like go to any show and being able to get up. And then there's being able to go to any club and get up, you yeah. know, there's like, a yeah. difference. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, and you get it with podcasts too. Well, this person podcast sucks. Mine should be higher rated. Well, then get better guests, you know. Be a better host. <laughs> Promote it more. Promote it better than I do. And then you can get you can be ahead of me in iTunes. <laughs> or wherever. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. I just don't I wish more people would just worry about themselves. Like Jimmy said. Yeah. Because I used to be bummed out about oh, why this person get this. See, that stuff doesn't bother me. Well, it did like with Roast Battle, it did because I had such a connection to the show. Uh, mm -hmm. you know and so i was a little upset like i did i not upset but like you know whatever the word is that i didn't get back brought back for season two because i was like oh this hollywood's house of blues is my hometown you know I would they brought back certain people it's like well i have i had more to do with the show than they did you know yeah i, I you know so i felt a little like a, a bit of unloyalty i guess right uh but you know i mean when jimmy told that to me it really made me look at things differently like okay he's probably the number one comic in the world worldwide him and russell peters if he's saying it i guess i should listen right so <laughs> and rob schneider told me something similar like because this is right after i didn't get new faces and he, he could tell i was kind of bummed out or whatever and he's like dude it just becomes so good they can't deny you become so marketable they have to use you i mean so. that's that bill burr quote yeah, who I think got, I think they both got it from Steve Martin. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's such simple advice, like no shit, Bill, Rob. Yeah. But it's like when they're saying it, you know, which is why it's great to have like podcasts you can do, you know, it's something that you don't, doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. If it's a good podcast, people are going to listen to it. And, you know, you and Brian, you know, does it matter that you aren't on some big network if, if it's a great podcast, which I know it is because you guys are both great. It's pretty fun. But like, that's something you guys are in control of. Mm -hmm. You can control the marketing, the guests, everything. You don't need an agent or a manager to do it. Yeah. And then you can get nice things through making it successful. So there is something nice that's coming out of the internet. I mean, aside from YouTube stars getting booked at comedy clubs. And us not. Yeah, all's not. There's bad. still another, <laughs> there's still other avenues for us to get to a point where we can also do that. Well, I think it's good and bad. Like it's never been easier to make it on your own. Mm -hmm. You know, you Snapchat, funny videos on that, YouTube, mm -hmm. podcasts. Uh, but the downside is also everyone can do it. Like podcasts, there's some horrible podcasts out there. But those ends up end, end up getting weeded out. It's just like there's some horrible comics out there. They'll oh, I, I might be one out. of them. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, 
you know, I read the reviews on me on Reddit. Never again. <laughs> Look at that. Uh, I think I'll ever read another review again. <laughs> but simplicity is good and bad. Like, you know, if, if it wasn't so simple to do a podcast, there'd be a lot less bad podcasts out there. Literally, sure. you know, all you need to do is have an H4N recorder and two mics and you could be on iTunes tomorrow. It'd be pretty easy. Yeah. People are doing it. Yeah. So, uh, but it also makes it easier for people who are talented to do things on your own. So it's different. I feel like it's different though, because people have the same accessibility to good and bad things. So it's, it's also can be sure they can, they can hear really talented people that they maybe otherwise wouldn't have gotten exposure to, but they also have to sift through bad shit to get to it too. I mean, I guess I, the whole point of that was I wish there was less bad shit to sit, to shift through, through. Yeah. to shit through, um, <laughs> <laughs> to sift, sift <laughs> through. Uh, but you know, it's the way it is. Yeah. You know, who am I to sit there and say this open micer shouldn't have a podcast? Don't worry about it. Worry about my podcast and be funny. Thank you, Jimmy Carr. <laughs> Never say never on a rematch. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm good on that. But All right, Carmen. I could talk to you all day. You know, initially I was worried. Well, what are we going to talk about outside of comedy? Yeah, we talked to I mean, we still did talk about comedy a lot, but if your listeners like you, you're a comedian. I mean, what the fuck else are they going to? <laughs> well, I try to not necessarily be funny on this podcast. Like, I just want to talk with people I love. Oh, and like, Earl, that's real sweet, but it's true. I mean, like we've always gotten along, you know, but we've never really, you know, it's hard to talk at the comedy store. You know, people are grabbing you. Hey, Carmen. Hey, Earl. You yeah. Know. Everybody's that's so the hello gauntlet. Yeah. It's very hard. And people have no fucking social cues up there at all. <laughs> Zero. I'm like, I could be talking to you face to face, almost looking like we're going to hug. And someone who just rolled up a bowl is just like sitting there staring off into the fucking ether. <laughs> like, are you going to join in or are you going to just fucking sit there? You <laughs> fucking goof. Sorry. I got too real there. Sorry. got too real. Uh, but you know, it's, we, how long have we known each other? A couple of years, two years. Yeah. Uh, and, but we've never really talked. Yeah. Well, we never had the opportunity to talk like this. Yeah. Which is what I loved. I want this podcast to be two people talking at a bar without the noise. Sure. And hopefully people are listening. Well, not while they're working. Hopefully you're working while you're at work, but, like, but also listening while they're working at work, they can yeah. do both. You know, I mean, uh, one day maybe I'll, I'll be uh video too, but inappropriate. Or Ooh. Well, you possible. did Facebook live some of this today. Well, that's uh, another thing uh, that's helping the, the, the podcast do a little better. Uh, but who knows? I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to have my guy, Andrew in New Jersey, who does the podcast, uh, not photoshops, but he does these uh, flyers that, uh, you know. Oh, to advertise the podcast? Yeah, really? That helps a lot. Wow, that's he, cool. He's amazing. Like he does these, uh, like there's a popular movie coming out like last week with Infinity Wars. He did a, uh, a I guess a caricature of me mm -hmm. on the poster and inappropriate Earl iTunes and, you know, whatever. And, you know, so. Were you Thanos? I don't watch, uh, I checked out after Superman too. I don't watch any of that shit. 
Because Superman <laughs> 2, there was no CGI. Did he make you purple? Well, that would be a better... Did he make you I had some player? big fucking thing on my hand. Yeah, that's he made you Thanos. <laughs> and it's like I'm doing like this muscle pose and it just says, you better listen to Inappropriate Earl on, you know, SoundCloud and iTunes and, you know. But so what the hell do I know? Like Bill Paxton and Aliens, what do I know? I just work here. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Earl. I had a lot of fun. I love it. I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, if you ever need to plug the podcast, come on. Maybe you and Brian come on. Sure. Because that's another thing I find people don't do enough of is you go on other people's podcasts. Yeah, you got to go on other people's yeah. podcasts to promote yours, right? Yeah. I mean, I know some comics think, oh, well, if I go on Carmen's podcast or Earl's podcast, people aren't going to listen to my podcast. And it's the complete opposite. Yeah, that's like saying if somebody watches Twin Peaks, they're not going to watch the new John Mulaney special. It, it right. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. They're going to listen to whatever they want to listen yeah. to. <laughs> they'll actually, new fans will be exposed to you. And, you know, most probably won't listen, but they'll be. There might be a handful that really enjoyed, um, you know, <laughs> me yeah. not not having anal sex. And they'll be like, you know, I wonder what what else that broad's got to say. Right. And then, <laughs> you know, they become, you know, and then maybe they think Brian's funny. Oh, he's funny. Does he have a podcast? And it's like, literally, <laughs> it's very incestuous, the yeah. podcast world, which is why a festival like Skank Fest is awesome. Have you, <laughs> have you submitted? No, what's Skankfest? It's a festival in New York. That's it's it's not a. Pop. Oh, is it like Dan Soder? And, yeah, it's and, uh, uh, Louis Gomez and uh, Jay Ogerson, and mm -hmm. it's it's a weekend full of stand up and podcast, and uh, like that's where we did Naked Roast Battle last year. Nice. I think it's uh, I was a judge with Ari Shafir and mm -hmm. uh, Bronston Jones, and uh, you know it was very interesting the things I saw. <laughs> now, Carmen, for our iTunes freaks. And you SoundCloud rebels, you uh, relics, get it together. Everyone's on iTunes, guys. It's free, you cheap fucks. Where can people find you? Um, on iTunes? Uh, no, uh, well, uh, uh, Twitter, Facebook, I mean, Yeah, the whole everywhere. night. It's uh, at the funny Carmen on all this social media stuff. And uh, No Sir, I Don't Like It is available on... It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on um, Google Play. It's on Laughable. It's uh, every, pretty much most places you can get a podcast. It's on Podbean as well. Um, yeah. No, sir, I don't like it. Uh, CarmenMorales.com. If any of you are going to be in Colorado in July, I'm going to be touring all around Colorado in July. Um, but I'll post about it if you want to be my friend on the internet. I'll tell you about it. <laughs> Please. <laughs> become fans of Carmen leave a review for her podcast and mine inappropriate Earl and you know the deal now if you leave a review good or bad you get to see Earl's dick you get to see the greatest dick pic in comedy <laughs> you can go to New York you won't find a better one there you can go to Jacksonville at the comedy zone you won't you certainly won't find it there you can go on a shitty triple run. You ain't going to find it there. <laughs> you go to Canada, Calgary, Edmonton. You can go to the Just for Last Festival. You can go to the next roast battle taping. And trust me, <laughs> you might be next, but you won't be first. 